Hey, Emmett. Sorry, Andrew, you right? I'm good. I'm good. I um, I'm very comfortable in my uh, my new spot actually. So tried this way out last week on for size. Decided to get a nice little banner here, digital growth show, and uh, yeah, I'm comfortable. So you're back in your comfy place as well. I am. I'm just so much more comfortable here, standing up. It's it's uh, it's a way forward for me. Did you see the new? Yeah. Did you see the new logo? We've got a new logo. I did. I like it flashing yeah. it's uh it's looking uh, looking nice um yeah for those of you hi everyone out there watching obviously so it's not just uh me and Amit having a casual conversation recording now sir otherwise that would be very voyeuristic um it's uh, it, this is uh this is welcome to a digital growth show so we're just commenting because last week uh we were both found ourselves in the next office um uh, so we've kind of been recording remotely from home and uh yeah, I'm back in. I'm back in the office this week. Um, so it still looks like a backdrop, but that is real. That is Dubai, and that is sun out there. Um, but yeah, how's how's your week been? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, actually, pretty excited for today. So um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So it's been a busy very one. Kind of yeah, and uh, and we've had some great kind of emails and questions and and stuff like that flying in all week. So uh, so yeah, yeah, pretty buzzed actually. Yeah, I mean, um, I imagine I felt a bit like Father Christmas when all the letters are coming requesting the toys. Um, so <laughs> have got the beard, have got a bit of a belly. But uh, yeah, all of the questions flying in this week. And then obviously us determining who's been a good boy, who's been a good girl and gets uh, who's the lucky ones that we get to answer their questions. Yeah, no, brilliant. So, so guys, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Um, like we kind of already touched upon, today's a very kind of different different kind of show. Normally we have maybe a set topic uh perhaps a bit of an agenda um but today what we're focusing on is really kind of answering the questions that you guys may have so um so you know if you've got questions anything related to digital marketing business growth strategy uh sales crm um send those questions through uh we've got a great we've got a couple that are have already come in which is awesome um and also, yeah, and, and keep sending them in throughout the show, right? So, you know, yeah. if you kind of think of something, you know, just shoot it through. We obviously get these in real time. So, um, you know, we'll try and tackle as many of these as we can. Um, but yeah, I think pretty excited. So shall we, shall we just crack on, Andrew? Because I think we, we yeah. I, I think- Go for it. You know, I, know, I know how much me and you kind of get carried away and start talking. So, um, so let's, 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 let's tackle the first question and that's coming from Tarek. Thanks, Tarek. Um, and his question is, we've never had to rely on digital. We have nothing. Where should we start? And uh, Tarek is from a real estate development company. Um, Andrew, what do you reckon? Where should Tarek start? Right. Yeah. Um, I think if, and look, uh, that's interesting because that's a question that we're actually getting asked quite a lot at the moment. So, you know, we, we, we man the calls, we take the phone calls, uh, our numbers are on the website. So we actually have first contact a lot with people that are asking for our services. So it's actually a pretty um, regular question at the moment. Um, so usually it's centered around either never had to rely on it. So a lot of their business has been through referral business um, or potentially just, you know, clients that they've relied on for many years, they hadn't really had to go out. So in all honesty, the first question I always fire back um, and I'm usually surprised at the response is, do you have a website? Um, you know, if it's, if it's, yes, I do. Okay, great. Um, you know, how good is it? Um, usually at that point it's, well, I did it once for a tender five years ago. 
Um, so at that point, obviously, we open it up and have a look, and it usually isn't mobile responsive. It usually isn't um, applicable for today's technology. Perhaps some things aren't loading properly. Call to actions are not there. Um, and then if they obviously say no, I think you know a website is still, although it may not be as sexy um, as like all oh, Instagram and firing up a social media. Um, I'd say that obviously from, from a digital marketing perspective and growing your digital footprint and presence, you need to have foundation. Um, and that foundation has to be a web presence. Uh, it can be something small, um, but it has to be, you know, somewhere where you can direct, uh, you know, leads, inquiries, customers, uh, potential prospects. There has to be something there. Um, okay. so, so I think that's so where I'd start. Okay, so why, why shouldn't why shouldn't Tarek and his company just dive straight into maybe social media? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, so I think I think the challenge is, and there's nothing wrong with it. So obviously, some organisations fire up an Instagram page, uh, get a WhatsApp number on there, and you're kind of away. I think the challenge is with that is that you essentially don't own that space, so you're reliant on those platforms to effectively control your destiny. So for example, if an algorithm is changed or a rule is put in place that you, know, you, um, you can no longer do something on that platform that you're used to doing, um, the challenge therein is that, that you're beholden to them. So at least if you, you, know, you can start to build um, your own audiences, you can start to, um, you can start to effectively you know, pull in data. I mean, Interestingly, we've had, um, there's obviously, you know, there's been a rise in e-commerce activity over the last three months uh, globally, but also really ramped up here locally. And the, a lot of sellers here work on Marketplace. We touched upon this a few weeks ago. And um, a lot of those now are coming to us and saying, should I start my own store? You know, what are the benefits, right? Um, and I think this falls in line with the same thing, you know, why should they start their own website? Uh, because they can start to save audiences, because they can start to collect data, because they can start to, you know, have a more uh, intimate relationship with their with their customers, I think. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say that. So and then, you know, I think web is is that that kind of starting point. Um, and then obviously from there, looking at other ways to then start to drive traffic back to that site. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of like what do you think that first move is? So they've got a website, they've got it live or they've done a refresh, you know, they want to, they want to start, you know, kind of getting, getting some, getting some traffic to it. Where, where do you think they, they should kick off? So, so I think if we look at it, so a real estate developer, so if we look at Tarek's business specifically, yeah. um, you know, so, so perhaps they're B2B, uh, perhaps they're B2C. I think, I think that, that, that's maybe a consideration here. Yeah. The first thing I would do is just to make sure is if they have now got a brand new website, they go down that road. Um, does it does it convert? Right? Can people come onto the yeah. website? Is it easy for people to basically say, like you know, hey, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. You know, so are the forms in the right place? Are the buttons in the right place? Um, because I, th- I think we've seen this many many times in the past where you know people have spent a lot of money on expensive websites. Yeah. Um, but they don't convert, right? They're not, they're yeah. not built for conversion. You know, they're very nice and they look very pretty, but um, actually doesn't matter how much kind of traffic you drive to the website, very few people yeah. 
you know, can kind of function their way around it. And, and I think that was a challenge in, you know, in the olden days with all those kind of flash websites and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I think today, uh, you know, that kind of web journey has to be a little bit more practical and it almost, yeah. in my mind, it doesn't even matter if it isn't the prettiest website in the world or the best looking, but if you've got mm. the buttons in the right place, you've got forms in the right place. Uh, you know, if your proposition is compelling enough, uh, I think people will start to engage, uh, you know, engage with you and to give yourself yeah. a chance. So I, I think that's where I'd start. Um, and, and once I've got that in place and I'm comfortable with, with, you know, people being able to come onto the website and actually, you know, helping the business generate leads, then yeah. it's how do I generate more traffic to the website? Yeah. Right. And then that could be a combination of social ads and Google ads and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tarek, I hope that helps. But, but essentially, I think this is where we'd start, you know, essentially get, make yeah. sure your foundation's in place. Andrew's absolutely right. I think a lot of businesses don't think of their website as a, as a tangible asset. Um, yes. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, I'll, go, I'll give you an idea just from an extra perspective. Um, not only do we class our website as an asset, but we actually have a dollar value attributed to how much our website is worth yeah and the way we calculate that is the you know the the volume and the value of traffic that essentially comes to the website and and actually yeah. the number is and the number would would you know make it very uh, almost unbelievable right it's, it's a high yeah. number but yeah. actually there's numbers and justifications all right you know kind of behind it to back it up so so think of it as an asset and don't be you know yeah. and if you think of it as an asset you're not going to you're not going to be too scared to invest in that asset i think that's important yeah, I think it's actually um, one of the questions, the first question that we usually ask when somebody says, I want to you know, start something digital, I want to you know, build a website, we usually ask why. Um, you know, why do you want to do that? Right? So why do you want a website? And I, I think sometimes that throws people because it's kind of like, well, I need one. Well, why do you need one? Right? And like you said, you know, what's the value of a true website? If it is you know, um, an environment to generate business, it should be treated so not just like an online brochure, which is very kind of 2000s, right? As far as a website is just an online brochure, that's what it could do for me. You know, I think the, the capability now of tracking people, collecting data, you know, rewarding the user experience, like you mentioned, all of these things play into that now, yeah? Okay, got it. Okay, cool. Um, look, let's move on. I think, um, yeah. so we thank you guys. So I've seen some more questions come in. This one is from uh, Brian. Okay, so Brian's yeah. from a facilities management business. Okay. Um, what can I do to retain my clients? The market's very um, price-driven at the moment. Um, I'm sorry, guys, I'm paraphrasing here. But yeah, um, so it feels like people are taking a chance during these, these tough times. Um, so client retention, I think, is something that we touched upon uh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so look, I mean, uh, this, is, this is such a big area that so many companies uh, don't focus on. You know, they have uh, really, um, you know, sometimes extravagant, you know, new client acquisition or new customer acquisition strategies. You know, they'll spend thousands of advertising. Um, but what typically doesn't happen is you know, the same money is spent on kind of retaining clients, right? Yeah. Uh, but I get it. I think so, again, you know, from what Brian's asking here, uh, everything, you know, from a facilities management perspective, everything seems price-driven. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what, what advice have you got there, Andrew? What, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, look, it's a challenge. First of thanks, Brian. I mean, first and foremost, it's a challenge because um, there is an opportunity now for certain individuals to kind of look for a better deal, right? 
uh, take advantage of the situation. Um, I think in facilities management, there's companies that are going back and the offices are opening up. So they might look at this opportunity to, uh, to, to kind of reach out. I'd say from a customer retention perspective, the communica communication piece is key. So keeping in you know, constant communication with your existing customer, um, and, and it may sound very simplistic, um, but it automating a, you know, a, either a kind of customer satisfaction survey or automating an email that allows people to reach out to you. It may be a personal email from yourself. I'm not sure if you'd put what position he is in the organization, but um, you know, we, we here at Nexa, uh, emails will go out from, from, from Amit that are automated, right? Just, just kind of trying to find customer experience. How are you finding our service? Are you happy, really willing to recommend us to other people? So I'd say that communication piece is, is key to be front of mind. Because there is, there, you know, it, there is a tendency to become a bit complacent. You know, they're a customer. Perhaps they've been a customer for the last five years. They're not going to go anywhere. We can bank on those people. Um, but the challenge is that when times are tough, and, and if it's very price conscious, as Brian said there, you know, people do tend to look elsewhere. So, yeah. so I'd say, you know, communication is one of the keys. Sure. I think, I think so. And then let's, let's bring it back to, um, let's bring it back to our actual sort of client retention joke. So sure. what, we, what we kind of recommended, so communication is, is you know, 100% something that, that needs to be there. Um, yeah. I think, you know, like what Andrew said, reach out, reach out to any of your clients at the moment. Um, you know, reach out to all of them, right? For one to yeah. perhaps, you know, in two minds as to whether they're gonna continue working with you, may try and reach out. The other thing, and I think this isn't just a kind of firefighting solution, but this is something perhaps you should embed within your organization, um, which is uh, sending, uh, net promoter score survey, so NPS surveys yeah. uh, regularly with your clients, you know, just understanding client satisfaction, because I think that's yeah. such a huge, uh, you know, hugely important metric for any business. So, so, you know, for example, you know, if, if perhaps you've got maybe 12 month contracts with your clients and those contracts are maybe coming off a renewal in the next, you know, for two or three months, now's the time to get an NPS survey out there. Yeah. Right. And if you get a survey out there and you score, you know, get a low score back, um, that might be an issue, right? So that yeah. does give you an opportunity then to go back to that client, understand perhaps where the failings are, why they're not as satisfied as they should be. And, and it actually gives you an opportunity, perhaps two or three months to even uh, fix, fix the problem, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's really key. So and if you're not using NPS surveys, uh, definitely Look think about that whether you're yeah. B2B or B2C, I think that's super important. Mm. Um, and otherwise, I think it's, it's customer feedback mechanisms as a whole. So, you know, not just NPS. I think NPS needs to be ingrained within, within uh, you know, yeah. your operational, operational kind of measurement. Uh, but just, just sometimes, you know, again, just customer feedback surveys, which are sent out, maybe not even asking a generic, you know, would you recommend us to a colleague or friend type of question, but actually, how would you measure the rating of this part of our business, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and perhaps that becomes more, uh, more relevant for a company. Yeah. You know, if they start to receive some negative feedback, they start to understand that actually, you know, we think this is great, but clients aren't necessarily mm. seeing that. We need to find out more, right? Where is that failing? Um, and, and perhaps just sending a very kind of customized customer feedback form mm. saying, hey, we do X and Y, but that X part here, you know, what do you think of it? And, uh, and again, I think, I think, you know, and I guess we've seen this from experience, but uh, customers and clients who feel as if they're contributing to how you perform mm. and, and how you operate, um, 
you know, within your business and, and, and if they can impact and influence business operations, which ultimately serves them better, you tend to start buying some loyalty there as well. And I think that's, that's quite important. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, yeah. you know, I'd say definitely Brian, you know, do what Andrew did, uh, said, which was basically phone, phone in clients you're not sure about, mm. but you know, use, use tools and, and NPS surveys and customer feedback mm. surveys. You can buy these as standalone products. They're very inexpensive. Um, but I, I would definitely say start to collect data right, from you. I'd also clients. say, I'd also say as well, you know, whatever ways of communication you do have, like social media, like, um, you know, uh, whatever, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera, just be active on there as well. So yeah. it's not the time to be quiet. It's not the time to, you know, just kind of shrivel up. Um, it's a time to actively participate and, and just be heard um, because that's also important just to, just to make sure people can understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I've just seen as we've had, uh, we've had quite a few people join on since we, we started the show, Andrew. So guys, uh, you missed it at the beginning, but essentially, you know, this show's about you. So any yeah. questions that you have, use the Q&A uh, button at the bottom of the screen. And any questions that you have around kind of, you know, sales, marketing, business growth, uh, throw it at us, we'll do our best to kind of uh, get back to you. And then there are some questions coming in as well, so we'll tackle those. Um, yeah. The next one we've got here is from Paul. And, um, okay. and Paul's asking, uh, with some companies uh, avoiding advertising on Facebook due to the current situation, what strategies can you recommend to overcome the lost opportunity? Uh, actually, great question. Very, very kind of timely. Um, and I, I guess current situation isn't COVID for once. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so what is that current situation, Andrew? Yeah, I guess, I mean, some companies and multinationals may be, may be aware of it, uh, perhaps if, if you guys are watching, but it's the uh, Stop Hate for Profit campaign um, that was kind of, I guess, started um, in the US. Uh, you know, companies like such as Ben and Jerry's that are very kind of a strong corporate and social responsibility. Um, they decided to start boycotting Facebook effectively. So that's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. Um, they started to boycott expenditure based on uh, the fact that there's a lot of individuals, um, nasty individuals that are using the social platforms to basically elicit hate and racism. Um, so, and the the kind of i guess you know people us as a whole um along with corporations felt that it was you know facebook and instagram's responsibility to tackle this head-on um and they weren't really happy with what they were doing to do that so what started as you know ben and jerry's uh, which obviously i think we're all familiar with their phenomenal ice cream um i'm i'm yeah particularly like uh chunky monkey but anyway uh that's something else so um and now you've got the likes of you know uh, a lot of us obviously but adidas you've got dame lacrizer you've got clorex coca-cola um denny's dunking donuts ford hershey's honda hp levi's i mean yeah i remember i mean unilever pulled out as well that's and, right, yeah. um, and I think that impacted Facebook stock price immediately by about 7% or something. It was, yeah. it was like, a, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so this is damaging. I think the reality is that. Um, yeah, and yeah, they so said, I mean, they said is... to, to pull for a month and then, and now yeah. he came out and Zuckerberg obviously and, and said, look, this is what we're going to try and do to it. But I don't think they were happy with the response. Um, okay. So they've continued to, to see that. And obviously it looks as though Paul was, Paul's organization has, has had that impact here as well 
Yeah, so, so Sapul's question, I think, is then how do you overcome this lost opportunity? Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, I think the challenge is that, um, you know, if you, if you obviously were using social media to Facebook and Instagram to target your audience, um, the challenge is, okay, well, where else can we go? Now, obviously, the natural, you know, kind of movement is towards perhaps some of the other social platforms that perhaps mm -hmm. have been neglected in the past, like your Twitters of the world. Um, even though Saudi, it's, it's, it's kind of been growing there, but, but other parts of GCC, but obviously still US, Europe, it's still a very relevant platform. It still allows you to target, um, you know, from a B2B perspective, LinkedIn still allows you to target and, and kind of go after those individuals. Um, and still, you, you do have, you know, a wide opportunity within the Google sphere. So you have the search capability, you have YouTube, you have, you know, your display network. Um, there's native advertising. So if you want to kind of jump on, on, on that as well. So I think there is, I mean, look, basically this, this just might give you an opportunity to effectively reevaluate where you're spending your media dirham or dollar, right? right. Um, so I'd, I'd kind of look at it as potentially a, a, like a, a refresh. So instead of kind of, you know, putting money to those platforms. So does it, does it also give you an opportunity to then say, okay, actually, rather than reinvest that money into other media platforms, uh, shouldn't we create our own, you know, more content? I mean, maybe double down yeah. on those efforts potentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it, you know, I think, um, if you have the opportunity, as you said, to, to reinvest in, in, uh, yourself, I mean, that, that obviously is going to help. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're looking across the search, obviously, if you haven't done any kind of SEO or any kind of investment in content strategy, you know, and you've just been relying on paid advertising, um, you, you suddenly realize that these, I mean, look, these, these things are like a tap. Um, you know, you stop spending money with them and they disappear, you know, the organic um, reach on especially Facebook and, and uh, Instagram is challenging at best. Um, so just because you've got an Instagram page or a Facebook page, everybody knows who's investing on it. The reason that it's so impactful is because obviously um, they can target, you know, your audience and you can get results on the back of it. So uh, when they pull it, um, they're going to, they're going to see an impact. I mean, the, the only scary thing is, I, I guess, from a from a Facebook perspective, is if there's zero impact on the brand. So, if, you know, it's taken a bold move to say, yep, we're going to stop all advertising on those sure. platforms. And, and obviously, a lot of the time, people are looking at ROI. So it may be in a month's time that they look at the numbers and say, oh, actually, um, that didn't impact us much, which would right. be more damaging. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I, I can't see it. I mean, this is the thing because these are huge advertisers, right? So, yes. um, yeah, you know, so so there's. I think there's obviously going to be an impact there, but it, I guess, you know, how much can they change in, in, and how long would it take to make that change? I think is a challenge. But I yes. think I think it's interesting. I think creating content, I think, is one opportunity if people can reallocate budget. I think the uh, other opportunities are, you know, maybe testing some of the newer platforms. I guess like a, yeah. like a TikTok or something, right? Um, yeah. you know, maybe trying to reach and sort of engage other audiences, but yeah, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how this plays out. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think TikTok has its own challenges in the U S at the moment, obviously, and yeah. in some of the other parts being banned in India, but TikTok yeah. have just um, released a self-serving ad platform. So previously it was kind of, you know, certain ad types were closed to business um, similar to like uh, Snapchat but they've opened up that platform now. So you've got a self-serving platform that's just being rolled out. So yeah, it could potentially, you know, look at, look at, um, 
look at trying to communicate from there. But I, I guess, you know, the, the challenge is that, look, we know firsthand that Facebook and Instagram does work. You know, if it's used properly, um, it, it can help business. Um, sure. So I'd say, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think for, for Paul, is it? So for Paul, I think, you know, go and reevaluate what content you have. Is there any way you can create more value from an organic perspective? Um, and then ultimately potentially, you know, test these other, these other platforms. I mean, sure. you haven't really got anything to lose at this point. Yeah. Yeah. True. Cool. Let's move on. Uh, yeah. some great questions coming in. Um, thanks to so Dr. Nada, Rachel, a couple of anonymous questions and Ashraf, we'll, we'll try and get to all of these, um, over the next sort of 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, so this one from Dr. Nada, and I'm not sure what kind of doctor uh, he is, Andrew, but businesses open up. Should I focus on new customers or try to re-engage old or existing customers? Um, oh, no, this again, was the one that came in. Question. This was uh, dentist. Uh, okay. All right. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, cool. So, so yeah. Okay. So, uh, this, this one I actually saw that came in. I think this okay. came in through LinkedIn. Um, okay. So, 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 yeah, basically, um, I think because... Obviously, from a dental perspective, dental practices have been closed uh, and yeah. then it was emergency and now they're opening up here. So so I'm going to be very specific to the UAE, but I think it still applies for other countries. We've got people yeah. tuning in from the UK. I can see US, US UK uh, at the moment, Spain. So, you know, for, for as these other countries open up, um, I, I, I think first and foremost, um, especially if you're, you, you've got a dental practice that you mentioned there, I think when we've spoken to medical practitioners, dentists, what's often forgotten is your existing patient database. Because essentially when you obviously go to a dentist, you go to, you, you, you have to collect data. So usually you will have an email or a mobile number. Um, but I mean, I can put my hand up and say every single medical facility, dental facility, I'm never communicated with. Zero communication. There, there doesn't appear to be a strategy. This actually almost goes back to the retention question previously about focusing yeah, so, on, yeah. you know, existing patients. So I think the thing is that what I do is I'd look at your patients that, you know, you have, perhaps you look at patients in the last year. So you approach those first or the low, last six months, because the chances are they're more likely to be in country still um, than the ones perhaps two years, three years ago. And you can stagger it, um, see what you have by way of email um, and mobile and then potentially reach out to them. Reach out to them um, and the communication may be, hey, listen, we're open. Um, here, is, uh, here is our um, you know, sanitization process to keep yeah. you safe. Hey, we're open, here's an offer. We'd love to see you again. I mean, I think what we've used in the past specifically for dental clinics is like um, free health check. So just a dental check and then a clean, right? Sure. Um, so that might be something. Yeah, I think, I think what we, I mean, so, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, look, I think communication strategy is absolutely key. Um, but I think there might be some other sort of quick wins, um, you know, quick wins as well. Because I think the challenge is, you know, when we're focusing on new customers the whole time, you know, it, that becomes kind of like a very expensive operation. But, yeah. a but when you're looking at dental practices specifically, um, you know, I might not be an existing customer, I might not even be in a market for a new dentist, but I get a toothache, yeah. right? And yes. so, um, and so, I think you need a combination of the both, right? I think you need to yeah. make sure that you're visible in case somebody needs you right away. You know, so you know, for intent-based searches on um, on Google, for example. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. So, so very quickly, you know, load some Google ads and make sure you're not missing some of that low-hanging fruit, right? Rather than kind of educate 
you know, Andrew and say, look, it's time for, you know, dental checkup. Um, it might just be easier to target that yeah. guy who's got a toothache, right? So, <laughs> so I think be tactical. I think, you know, if, if business is opening up and, 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 you know, you're seeing kind of more demand, yeah, you know, just make sure you've yeah. got all bases covered. And, and when you're going after things like that toothache, be smart about it. I think do yeah. you, you know, on search, you can do geographical um, campaigns and you can do like mobile only. So sure. I'd say that if you are doing that kind of, you know, emergency dentist, 24 hour dentist, whatever you're searching in Google at that point, you can do geographical ads. So if sure. your practice is in Russell or Jamera or, or, you know, Karama or, or whatever, you know, Alwasa, just you, you still what can focus in that geographical area. Because yeah. I think the thing is now, you know, that's for here, but obviously that applies everywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if your postcode, you know, is is in Kent, you don't want to be spending money down in London. So people just don't want to drive. Right. Sure. Fair enough. Cool. Um, cool. Next question. Thanks, uh, Dr. Nada, for sending that through. Uh, this one's from Rachel. Um, <laughs> what's the next big thing in digital marketing? So. Um, <laughs> Hold on, I'm pretty Andrew, sure I've got my crystal, crystal ball. <laughs> I mean, look, to be honest with you, again, that's a question we get asked a lot, right? So what's, what's yeah, next, yeah. guys? What's happening next? What's, uh, yeah. What should we keep an eye out on? Um, I, tell you, I tell you what, Andrew, let's, let's tackle yeah. this from two angles, okay? Yeah, go on. Um, shall we say, I don't know, B2C, maybe social yep. media? Um, yeah. And then we'll look at it from maybe a B2B perspective. So cool. do, you want to, do you want to tackle the first part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so from a B2C perspective, yeah, you're right. I mean, we get asked this a lot, right? What's the next big thing? Uh, this thing? Big thing. What's the next big mm -hmm. thing? Uh, what should I be focusing on? We, um, we, we touched upon it previously, but what we're, a lot of the conversations we're having is specifically around social at the moment is TikTok. Um, so I think everyone that wasn't aware of TikTok with the ban in India and now the kind of ban they're talking about globally, I think more and more people are looking to, to, to this platform to try and understand what it is. Um, it is a glorious time waster for those of you that, uh, that haven't been on it. Um, you know, you'll jump on there and be on there for 40 minutes and, uh, and just come off and go, what did I just do for 40 minutes? So I'd say as far as an addictive mechanism, it's um, highly mobilized and it just allows you. So first of all, for TikTok, for people who don't know, TikTok is, you know, the social media um it, it's a lot of it's based around music so they are licensed with recording artists and music so you can do little videos funny videos um and there's a lot as there is a ton of um uh, kind of graphics that you can apply to your content so there's things like green screen um there's kind of colorful glitter there's there's you know magical sh magical shapes there's there's and you can apply music and so it's 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 not just a mechanism to post content but you can actually highly edit your content as well yeah. so massively popular with kind of gen gen y gen z uh even millennials obviously and what we've seen is we've seen an increase in brands jumping on it because mm -hmm. basically you know the, the 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 growth of the platform has been explosive so okay. still like last year from a social perspective, it was a top downloaded social media application in the US. Um, okay. So I'd say that, go on. No, go on. I was, well, I was gonna just say two questions I think on the back of that then. Yeah. Um, the first question is um, like, like with many kind of things digital, um, first movers, is it cheaper for them? Cause I mean, you know, we go back to when Google ads started and you can buy yeah. a click for, 
yeah. you know, one or two cents, which might cost you twenty dollars now. Uh, yeah. Is that the same? Is that the same on TikTok? If if brands kind of jump on it now and 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 early, it's potentially cheaper and more sort of cost effective for them. I'm not sure because the challenge with TikTok is that TikTok content is very different. So it's not like I would have an Instagram strategy and a Facebook strategy and I can, to a certain extent they cross, cross over and they pollinate, they help pollinate each other. Whereas TikTok is an entirely different strategy. You have to embrace the platform. You have to look to adjust your content accordingly. So I'd say from a time perspective or a planning perspective, there may be more work that goes in, actually not may, there is more work that goes into a TikTok activation. Um, but it may okay. be that, for example, you just look at it as an ad medium. So for example, you know, the, the, if you look at some of the players, you know, some of the big, you know, kind of KFCs, the, the, the pizza dominoes of the world, they're using the platform from an ad perspective. They're running challenges. They're encouraging people to produce user-generated content off the back of these ads. Um, so they're using it as an ad platform, but they're not actually necessarily generating their own content on there. So, so I think it's two different ways to look at it. If you want, the, the interesting thing about TikTok is just the algorithm. So you do have an opportunity. Um, it's highly unlikely that if you post something on Instagram that you, and you're a brand new user with one video, that you'll get any more than a couple of likes or, or views. On TikTok, you can put one up and you can get 3 million views in the space of an hour. If it oh, kind of, okay. if you drop into that for you page, which is the home page, and then, mm -hmm. you know, then the algorithm takes over and it decides that you're going to be noticed and you're going to be seen. Um, yeah. it, it goes crazy. Uh, some okay, of the big cool. influencers on there have got 65 million plus as far as followers in a relatively wow. short period of time. So where people okay. have taken a long time to get to that on say an Instagram or Facebook or snap in TikTok, there's a relatively fast lift on that. Okay, perfect. And the second question was, you mentioned, uh, you know, for Gen Z's and Gen Y's and millennials, essentially all the young people. Um, so what business that, have you got being, being on their old man? Is that yeah, I was just going to say, that, that means, that means, that means uh, well, I was going to say it makes me one of those kind of cool young people because not only am I on TikTok, but I've actually recorded videos on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that the authority on TikTok should really be the man that's creating them and that's the man <laughs> facing me. That's not me. Um, I've been very voyeuristic in my approach, uh, but obviously you've been on there and you are, uh, you have got those views. Um, so yeah, I think, I, look, I think, I think the thing is, we always say this, it, it's all about eyeballs, right? It's just yeah. about where people are spending their time. So I think the thing is that why is TikTok quite exciting at the moment? Um, just because it is still relatively new from a, from a yeah. business perspective. I mean, I've seen some, so there's, there's, there's actually a very cool uh, real estate um, lady here. And I think it's real estate Dubai or something like that. And what she's been doing is there's, there's a, um, like a, it, it, you get trends on TikTok. And one of the trends is you click your fingers and things change. So it's like you, with the music, you change, you're flying to different destinations. What mm -hmm. she's done, uh, which is pretty cool, is you go in, she goes and walks into a room. And it's a bare penthouse and then she clicks her fingers and then it's completely new. So even the content she's producing right. is engaging. It's, it's like fun. It's interesting to watch. There's a guy in New York as well that does something similar. Um, he's just going around and showcasing uh, on the platform, but using music, using the platform itself. Okay, cool. Awesome. So look, B2B, I'll touch on that very quickly. And yes. then uh, Ashraf's asked a couple of questions. So I'm going cool. to tackle Ashraf's we'll question for this. Yeah. Um, B2B guys, so look, if you are if you are a B2B business, the next big thing is, uh, and it's not really the next thing, it's here and now, and it's already working yeah. for a lot of companies, is account-based marketing. 
um, which which honestly just flips the whole um, I don't know digital marketing approach on its head, uh, flips the whole sales funnel on its head. So typically, if you're running you know a B two B campaign, what you'd be doing is maybe you know creating an offer. You'd have a target audience in mind, um, and then you'd say, right, which platform can we perhaps find this target audience on? Uh, you know, was it LinkedIn? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Is it Google? Um, we'd then maybe look at creating the right kind of content that you know uh, relates to that target audience, and essentially we'd then run campaigns. Um, but there's a big flaw with that approach, and that big flaw is that we would be waiting for those people to potentially see that content. And if they see it, we'd also hope that they would then hopefully have enough time to engage with that content, you know, click on whatever we want them to click on and give us whatever details to generate that lead. And while that approach works, it's, it's very hit and miss, right? Because potentially, you know, your, your target audience, you know, perhaps gets busy, doesn't go on these platforms, yeah. isn't as digitally uh, savvy as, as what you hope they are. And, and you've never got an opportunity of engaging with these people. Account-based marketing kind of flips that approach on its head. So, so what we do with uh, with ABM is uh, we actually identify those target customers first, right? Those target accounts that we want to win, right? So maybe in a B two B world, we want to work with Microsoft, or we want to work with Apple, or we want to work with uh, Oracle. Yeah. With that B two B and ABM approach, what we then do is identify who those people are that can make the decisions that we want them to make who kind of influences those decisions, those buying decisions. And we do that on a very kind of individual basis, right? So if we see, okay, look, it's the head of procurement inside of Microsoft, but in Oracle, it's not the head of procurement, it's the CFO, right? We start yeah. to kind of you know, collect data that, that kind of makes sense of this. And then what we do is we, we go out and find that data. And obviously there's a whole load of tools, you know, LinkedIn's a great ABM tool as well, um, but there's a whole load of database and tools where you can go away and actually find this data. And then what you're doing is essentially delivering that content in whichever format. And that, you know, that could be offline, right? It could be a personal invitation that's delivered by courier directly to that person, inviting them to a uh, exclusive event, right? Um, you know, or a seminar or something along those lines. It could be an email campaign. It could be social media campaigns. It could be a whole combination of these. So, so the, why this works is a, typically your media costs are, are much lower than what they, than they would be, right? And you're essentially spending very little, and in, in fact, some cases, uh, maybe even no media spend. Yeah. The results are pretty quick, right? Because if you're inviting someone to an event next week and, and you get a response back, you know, that whole turnaround time could be three or four days. Um, and so, you know, and, and you just find out what works and what doesn't work very quickly and you can adapt to that. So, so guys, yeah, ABM, we've, we've got a load of content on our blog, uh, you know, if you're kind of interested in that. Yeah. But, you know, and it's all educational content. We don't have sales content on it, but you know, if you want to kind of learn more about it, uh, but just sort of search for account-based marketing, there's a ton of uh, videos and stuff like that out there, but definitely worth looking at. And if you're a B2B marketer, that's really the direction that you want to kind of head in, especially given the fact that, you know, marketing budgets potentially are going to be cut, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, so cool. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, thanks for that question, Rachel. So Ashraf, you've been very patient. It was one of the first questions that came in. So you asked something that was very specific. Um, but I'll, I'll take your generic uh, question first, I think. So if you want to target, you know, very kind of niche audiences, and, and for example, I think your, your very specific question was if you wanted to target um, 
people from a specific state in India or, or wherever that may be um, to maybe pitch some sort of business opportunity. How, how do you kind of do that in a digital uh, perspective? And it really helps. I think when you've got a, when you've got an audience that you want to hit, there's there's a number of different ways that you can reach it. And I think today this is so much easier than it would have been, um, you know, kind of many years ago, right? Yeah. So so for example, um, and if we look at it as a B two B question, which I which I kind of reading between the lines, I think that's what you're asking. The way I would tackle what you're doing is go into LinkedIn, and if you want to target people living in the Gulf states in the GCC but perhaps come from this specific state. One of the very simple things that you can do is target everyone who went to that university but is currently residing within the Gulf states, right? So whatever universities exist within those states, you know, there's a likelihood if they're an expat, potentially that they're educated, they may have been educated in that home state, they're living over here now, and literally you can be up and running with a campaign in, in, in maybe, you know, 30 minutes. Um, but that will give you a fair idea in terms of how you can do that. But guys, just always kind of reverse engineer. Um, you know, if you have got very specific kind of niche audiences, reverse engineer that thought process, right? You know, if you're trying to target somebody, think about where, you know, have they traveled there? Uh, were they educated there? Um, anything that kind of relates to that. I mean, you know, do they support that football team? You know, do they support that cricket team? I mean, you know, all of these kind of... Um, combinations of interests and insights they typically um they live on uh, on social media you can tackle or you can target many of these audiences uh you know through that so you know that's one option programmatic advertising also is another option but i think that's that's maybe far too big a topic to go into right now uh, but if you've got any specific questions on that ashraf just feel free to reach out after the show and we'll we'll kind of help you out there um cool and guys we're going to probably wrap up in the next few minutes if you have got any kind of last minute questions shoot them through um andrew we've got an anonymous question here um and i think i'll direct this to you as well so so it's uh, i'm a salesperson and i've been working from home for nearly four months how do i convince my uh, old school boss that i'm more productive from home and that i don't need to be in the office full time to close deals um <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of I wonder if that's anonymous as in one of our team, but I'm hoping. <laughs> and by old school boss, I'm hoping he refers to you. But anyway, it's fine. That's uh, amazing. Well, yeah. Amazing. So, no, so I don't know. What's your What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think it's been it's been it's been uh, it's been an interesting four months, right? In terms of both yeah. productivity and sales and things like that. So yeah. yeah, what's your kind of advice here? Yeah, I mean, look. First and foremost, we should say that actually, currently, myself and our receptionist are the only people in our office. So we've we've kept a very open policy as far as um, as far as you know how you want to readjust to the the kind of new normal. Um, look, I'll I'll take it as, as a very personal situation, and then I think you know potentially help help you answer this. So. I'll, I'll tell you about a day I had yesterday um, that was a flashback to three months ago and I really didn't enjoy it. And, and I basically had four meetings, but instead of four Zooms um, that I could have beautifully dovetailed together, I had four meetings all across the city. So I, I spent in total close to an hour and 45 minutes in the car yesterday, just traveling uh, to and from. One of those meetings, um, I spent 10 minutes waiting for a lift because of the new social distancing rules and decided to walk down 15 flights of stairs to get into another lift, lift and wait another five minutes there. So wasted another further 15 minutes 
So I, my approach to this would be very much based on the efficiency of you know, meeting uh, individuals or the opportunity to meet more people. So productivity around time. So the time that it takes to drive to, uh, and it seems like that person is in the office because they're you know, driving or potentially, even if they're picking up the phone and calling people, um, and perhaps this old school boss just wants to kind of peer around the corner and, and see what's on their desk. I think the thing is, if, if, they, if they don't have um, a CRM and the only way of this old school boss is to look around the corner and see what they're up to, suggest a CRM show this is what i'm working on these are my contacts this is my deal pipeline you know you can see this in real time you can check exactly what i'm doing even if you want to track my meetings you know track my calls you have the ability to do that right mm -hmm. um so I'd, I'd approach it from the angle of listen i'm more efficient um, there's more time to sell as opposed to time traveling and wasting um and then also if you don't have a technology or crm or tracking capability at the moment encourage that suggest that because that will probably play into the old school mentality of you know tracking but what they don't realize is that actually it's helping you because it is still making you still more efficient i mean i i the amount of just sales professionals that i've met and i've said get on hubspot do you have a crm no we've got a crm but it's a bit horrible no one really uses it okay you get on to see hubspot for example it's free you start up, you're open, you start looking at your own contacts. So I'd, I'd say approach it in those two, two angles. And effectively, okay. look, any, any boss, even if they are a bit of an, you know, a tyrant, um, essentially what they want is sales. So I think the thing is, look, at, look as long as you've been closing business um, during this time, um, I think that you're going to have a stronger argument if you have been able to close business um because because obviously you know the the the, the challenge of lockdown is is different um uh from there i guess that person might be in the region as well because we are a bit old school in this part of the world when it comes to you know that that kind of shaking hands introducing yeah. people having a meeting yeah i look i, I agree with you Philly. what you else what else do you think i mean what what you know i mean we don't need much convincing to be fair right i mean in all honesty joking aside you know we, we're we're really, we're really massively open to people work how they want to work. But what, what yeah. do you think? If how would how would you do it? Well, look, I think I think look, you know we are now. I don't think we were that open five months ago. Um, you know, we certainly are more open to any kind yeah. of suggestion of how people want to work, where they want to work from. Yeah. Um, you know, no issues with that at all now. But but I guess you know the biggest thing is, um, and my concern, I almost feel is. COVID has given us all an opportunity to redefine how we work, okay? Mm. And, and we, were, we were doing silly things, like we were spending two hours on the road and then half an hour looking for parking and doing, and you know, yeah. our building's terrible for that, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and there's just no need to do that. You know, Zoom has kind of shown and, and all the other, you know, video conferencing tools and all of those things have shown that actually you can have very strong, you know, one-to-one -one communication, you can build rapport, you can build a relationship. Uh, yeah. you know, through, through devices, right? Yes. And if that means that we become more efficient, uh, I think I was joking with you, I think maybe the second or third week of COVID where, you know, I had 13 meetings in a day, yeah. which I would never ever be able to do, no. you know, in the old, the old way of doing things, right? It would just no. be impossible. No. You know, normally four or five meetings and you're, you're maxed out and then That's you've right. still got a whole, 
whole inbox of uh, emails waiting for you at the end of the day. Whereas, exactly, you know, we've, we've really got an opportunity to kind of redefine all of this. You know, we don't have, you know, people don't have to go to the office to be productive. I, you know, in fact, I'm much more productive when I'm not in the office, right? And I, I, I've known that for years. But, but the point is, um, it'll be a real shame if we lose that because mm. we will never get another opportunity. And, in the, and I think we mentioned this in one of the earlier shows, right? This is a pandemic that's global, but say, for example, this had just happened in New York, right? You might still have people sitting in Texas or in London say, oh, you know, who don't really understand the whole, you know, virtual conferencing and, and you know, virtual sales calls and all that kind of stuff. They, mm. they want, you know, they believe in sort of, you know, face to face and, you know, we've got to touch hands and all that kind of stuff and swap business cards and all that nonsense, right? But the fact that everyone has gone through the same issue at exactly the same time, that, that may never happen again, right? And so we've yeah. got a real opportunity as a kind of global business, you know, unit, I'd say, Unity, yeah. to, to say, hey, this is how we do it now, right? Let's not, let's not worry about business cards and let's not worry yeah. about, you know, kind of shaking hands and stuff. And perhaps, yeah, you know, when the opportunity arises, it'd be great to meet you, of course, right? Yeah. But... But now let's just kind of be more respectful of each other's, of, you know, of each other's time. Um, and, and let's kind of just do business. Right. And I feel as if, you know, like I said, I really hope this is, you know, this stays, but I'm concerned, especially in places perhaps where we live, where this might not, you know, happen. I think there'll be a lot of people kind of forcing employees to go back. And I think that's a real shame, um, you know, cause you know, everyone's a business professional you've got to be treated like a business professional i think yeah i mean i think it also opens up opportunities from a geographical boundary perspective as well so for example if yeah. that individual is you know um let's say you know bound by geographical restriction be it through travel or or just you know now there's an opportunity to reach out and effectively have a conversation with anyone uh because you know we have the tools now the the comfort level as you mentioned globally to jump on zoom to have a conversation on Teams, to have a conversation on on these, um, you know, this this um, this is this is as you said, affecting everyone globally. So at the same time, there's opportunity on the back of this. So I think it's yeah. it's very um, it's it's very opportune to continue that that approach. Uh, I mean, look, I know the way that we've done business as well um, has changed. Obviously, as you yeah. said, I think the you know, the fact is now when it may be a first touch meeting, just introducing to someone, finding out a bit more about their business um, for both parties. So in all honesty, for both parties, you know, even when you have a visitor to your, uh, to your establishment, there is an element of time that's taken out, right? So this isn't just you going out there and having a conversation selling, but people that you're, you know, having as visitors, there is, you know, there's the, I, I find that the, let's say the small talk, and getting down to business, it's it's shorter on a, on a Zoom, yeah. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with I'm okay with, and also the length of the meeting, I think, because people want to realise that actually, you know, I okay. So as soon as this is done, I've got another meeting, but I need to prep for that. Whereas you can sometimes get carried away if you go and have a coffee with someone. You know, typically you'll have a coffee. Obviously, you know, you, meetings will last thirty minutes, half hour. I mean, I, for example, have been booking 15 minute slots um, and that would be wildly impractical if I drove half an hour to somebody's office sure. to sit down with them for 15 minutes. The, the hour meeting almost justifies the journey, if that makes sense, where yeah. actually you may just need a 15 minute. Um, so I, I think um, 
I think if you're not, for example, back to this anonymous person, uh, you know, let's call him John, but going back to John, you know, the, if he, if he, or it could be a lady actually, we don't know, right? John or Jane, there we go, John or Jane. Um, if it's those guys, um, if you don't have a CRM, but it, things like meeting links as well, you know, meeting links integrated to your Zoom or integrated to your Teams, make sure you're using that collaboration. If you're not using, if the organization hasn't jumped on the Slack revolution or the Teams revolution, encourage that. So, you know, this old school boss can see constant communication, can see people, because that mentality is very much based on, I need to see that person at a desk, right? Yeah. I think the mentality has to shift to, I need to see that person's work, right? And, and ultimately in a sales environment, it's pretty easy to judge that because it's just numbers. So yeah. there shouldn't be a reluctance, or there shouldn't be uh, as, as a bigger reluctance to, to do it. I mean, obviously some, yeah. some positions can't warrant, you know, remote working, but, but I think sales positions surely do. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think focus, focus on efficiency, either when you're talking to your boss and focus on productivity. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's strong arguments there. Um, guys, I think we're going to leave it there. So, you know, we're coming up to the hour mark. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Um, great to see some new faces. And, and thanks to the regulars for joining as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what we've got lined up for next week, but what we will do is send out, send out an email uh, with yeah. next week's topic. Uh, in the next couple of days so guys thanks again thanks for everyone who contributed and for sending those questions through um, yeah. and yeah it's, it's been great fun actually I enjoyed this I enjoyed yeah, this it's fantastic. I mean yeah, I think we, we yeah. kind of half joked about it last week that we could be talking for three hours so genuinely I mean we've got other um, other questions that we just haven't got around to but I mean we yeah. could sit here for the next kind of three hours um, but um, but I think yeah that was that was fantastic really good we'll have to do another one of these sessions again sure awesome Cool. Perfect. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Bye, guys. Uh, Have a good week. Take care. See you later. Bye.